Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. We are into season two, believe it or not, of Breaking Bad. It's great to be here to kind of kick off a new season of Breaking Bad. Starting to get into this thing now. Season two, episode one, seven thirty-seven. So uh, this was first aired on the nineteenth of December two thousand and nine. Uh, directed by Brian Cranston. You might recognise that name. Um, written by Vince Gilligan and Jay Roberts. Um, really excited to get into season two. Uh, um, and, and talk about everything that's that's happening here. Uh, my name's Nick, and uh, that's not very Christian. <laughs> and my name is Ben, and I'm still hip. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's an interesting um, first episode to get into this one. Um, it's it, it's fun to have one directed by Brian Cranston this early. I'm, I think you know, kind of these TV shows often, um, you know, you get into maybe the fourth or fifth season, and the star of the show starts to direct episodes. You know, but um, it's quite an early early time for this to be doing this, and it was quite fun to listen to the commentary because obviously you had Brian Cranston there talking about his acting performance, but also what he was doing as a director. So a, a, a really fun one to get into i think it's um we've talked a lot already about how a lot of these episodes are kind of a part a and part b and this almost feels like a complimentary episode to the finale of season one in my opinion um even to the point where we're getting some you know repeated scenes from that one so i think um lots to unpack in this episode yeah i think as we mentioned in the the final episode last year too it's kind of like you know this episode and the next episode really feel like it probably should have been the finale and and i you know, we sort of unpacked that that might have been the plan because obviously they lost two episodes last season because of the writer strike. So I, I honestly feel as though it's kind of like these next two episodes are the finale of the first season. I think it would have worked a lot better. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it is very interesting, and I think it's also you know interesting to know that as we've said plenty of times, I mean, this is the real the only season, isn't it, which basically Vince Gilligan planned from start A to point. To be like from the beginning to the end mm, so yeah. kind of this whole season's mapped out um which i think makes it fascinating but yeah like i definitely think there's some slow parts in this episode but i guess the great thing about this episode and it's a breaking bad thing as well is that you never get bored because you know it's building to something and the fact that you know even if you've seen this or not i feel that you just you, you just in it for the ride like i i'm loving all the sort of quote slow stuff because by the end of the episode, you're like, holy mother fuck, like, just keep watching. You you even said to me during the week that you wanted to keep watching ahead. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's kind of, it's it's hard because you don't want to get too, too ahead of it. But um, no, it's, a, it's, even though I still think this would work as episode eight of season one, it still works as the premiere episode of season two. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think probably there's been some, some um, 
directorial changes maybe to to make it feel like a an episode one even though it does link really closely to you know the end of the last season so um i think that there's yeah lots to talk about with this stuff um i think yeah in any good tv show you know you're doing it right when you've got people that want to just keep watching you know like that's that's the whole idea really isn't it um but um, I guess it's just a couple of things I wanted to talk about really briefly before we kind of get into the episode proper, which is, as you say, kind of Vince Gilligan planned this one to the point where 737 is, um, you know, the title of the episode. And, and that kind of refers, obviously, to Walt needing to to make $737,000 as the quick math he does in his head at one point in this episode. But that's also something that links to other episode titles, which we'll talk about when we get there. Um, so there's obviously, you know, even with the title names, he's kind of playing with, with some ideas there. Um, but there's obviously like a really key theme that runs through this whole season, which is about, uh, I guess, consequences and especially kind of unintended consequences of your actions. Um, and, you know, like a, a, I'm not saying that there isn't really key themes in the other seasons too, because there absolutely is. But this one kind of feels like it was really kind of thought through. Each episode kind of builds on it a little bit. So um, it does feel like a bit of a contained story that you're getting here to the point where like some of these elements feel like um, a little bit kind of weird when you think about the whole story of Breaking Bad, but they work really well in this standalone season, I think. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And it's kind of, I think uh, I've constantly talked about on this show how I'm a fan of the Honest Trailers series. And I think I mentioned last season about how sort of the Honest Trailers kind of bagged out this for being a bit slow and I pointed out that scene. But one thing that the Honest Trailers does very well in kind of pointing out this whole series is kind of the symbolism and kind of the things that they connect it with it. And one of the main ones they point out here is, is this pink teddy bear that you see in this episode mm-hmm. about how that's going to be very connected to you know, something we don't get to what the end of season four, um, you know, again, I don't, I, I have no idea if it was deliberate or if Vince Gilligan's confirmed that, but um, yeah, things like that, which makes this show really a show that, you know, you can watch 50 times and you're going to find something new about it, or even if you know what to expect in that and um, just all the layers with it. But yeah, no, I agree with everything you just said then. And it's, um, yeah, like, it's just, it's fascinating. Cause like, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to, like, as I said, at the end of last season to kind of go through this. Cause you know, as I said, I don't know this show as back to front as I do with plenty of other shows we've covered. And you've sort of said some of your initial thoughts on some of the things that will happen in this season. But, um, I mean, I, I just remember based on the fact that I've watched this episode, I've pre-watched next week's already that, um, yeah, like I'm hooked and I kind of know what's to come still. And kind of it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause even though I know what's to come, like I still forget some of the things that are happening and I'm still almost as shocked when they're happening for the first time around. Like the end of this episode, I completely forgot how that ended. And I'm like, wow, okay, yep, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to keep watching. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. So I think let's, let's just jump into it. I think um, it, it, it's as good a time as any. And uh, we get this kind of cold open and this is going to be one of the few that we, we get throughout this whole season of this kind of black and white, um, you know, um, no words, not a lot of context. You obviously can can gather that it's um, the, the swimming pool at, at the white residence, and you see this kind of um, creepy eyeball kind of floating around and getting kind of sucked into the into the vents and things like that. And and um, we can kind of hear sirens in the background, and and then we obviously get this pink teddy bear that kind of um, floats ominously in the water, and you kind of see it from its good side, and then it slowly kind of you know rotates around, and you see kind of um, that half its face has been blown off which um just keep that in mind later on um yes. but, <laughs> but 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 yeah it's um 
you know, there's no there's no context given, there's no um, explanation of this, um, and you know, then we just kind of once we get through the the credits, we kind of go straight into the show as if that hasn't happened, and we're going to build on this. You know, we're going to get a number of these that will tell us a little bit more, but still leave us kind of in the dark until we get right to the end of the season. So, um, I think it's it's a really um, I, I don't know want to say it's like a really bold idea. I think it's a really cool idea, um, and um, it, it's definitely something different and it's intriguing. So it definitely makes you kind of sit up and go, oh, okay, cool. Well, what's going on here then? Which I, I think is is an interesting way to kind of start things off, really. Yeah, and I think um, like you don't get a like a flash, like you know, six months earlier or yeah. things like that. Um, a show which I really love. I believe I ranked it somewhere in my top fifty TV shows of all time when I did that list on on my website a couple of years back. Uh, is a show called Damages, which I don't know if you ever watched it. Glenn Close, Rose Byrne. Um, you know, great sort of season where basically Glenn Close is this sort of evil lawyer who just does whatever she wants and gets away with everything. And I believe that premiered about a year before Breaking Bad, just looking here at the dates. And they that was kind of renowned for doing a similar thing where, like, I think the opening of the, the premiere episode is kind of like Rose Byrne's character covered in blood in a cop shop and basically talking about a murder of a boyfriend or something like that. It's like the complete opening. But then, like, the whole season kind of plays out to get to that point. Um, mm. So it's kind of, and that's how they would do every season from memory. It was kind of like each season you started with something and it builds up to it. Like it was really, really clever. So that kind of reminds me a lot of, of Damages. And, you know, again, like it's not like, I'm sure Damages wasn't the first show to do it. Um, I'm sure there have been plenty of other TV shows who sort of have done that way. But yeah, like, I mean, seeing this eyeball and kind of hearing the sirens and then, you know, as you said, knowing it's in this pool, you're like, I, I again, I remember watching this the first time having no clue. And like, mm. I think, you could not guess for the life of you what this would be by the end of the season. Um, you know, cause like, yeah, I, I don't, without spoiling it, like I never guessed that that was what's going to be happening. So, um, yeah, it's, and it's I don't interesting. Think you're, meant to. You're, you're not meant to. That's the cool thing about it is I don't think you can ever really, like if, you, if anyone tell you, oh yeah, I knew this, where this was going, then they're obviously mm. lying because you're not meant to try and, and figure this out, which which I really like. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's it's a really cool way to kind of start things off. And um, I think it's a little bit similar. Like There was probably a bit of a time where that kind of thing was happening quite a lot on TV shows because I remember one of the very kind of early Netflix original kind of shows which was called um oh what was it called it was like a family kind of drama um and it had ben mendelson in it and it was the same type of thing that you kind of got these little hints of stuff that was going to happen in the future bloodline it was called sorry um and and that was similar like you got bits of the story out of sequence and you didn't really get context for what was happening and, and it was the whole idea was you know you're going to build to finding this out as things go along so mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think it's a it's a great idea um and yeah i mean i I look forward to kind of talking about that storyline and, and 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 things as it goes along. It's just something to kind of keep an eye on because we won't get another one of those cold opens like that for a, a few episodes. So, um, yeah, it, it's enough that kind of I think the viewers kind of forget about it. They're like, oh, that was intriguing. Then we go kind of back to normal, kind of normal for Breaking Bad, kind of cold opens, and then that one kind of pops up again in a few episodes time. So it's quite cool. But um, anyway, we kind yeah. of we, we move on and, and we get this kind of replay of um, you know the the key scene at the end of of the last season of Breaking Bad. They're at the junkyard and doing the um, the whole you know swap for the meth and it's blue and all that kind of stuff and um, no dose gets uh, gets beaten up by 
by Tuco and then put in the car and dragged off. And um, then it kind of picks up again. We're at the other side of the story, basically, where Walt and Jesse are um, in the car, like, oh my God, what just happened? Um, and yeah, and that's where you know what I what I mentioned before, which is basically Walt's kind of working out, you know, um, you know, kind of how much money he needs to make to be clear of this. So he needs seven hundred thirty-seven thousand, which is basically where the title of this episode comes from. Um, and and I think he says that that's another what eleven cooks or eleven deals or whatever it is that will get them the money they need, and they'll all be done in a public place. And obviously, you know what's just happened to No Dose, you know, has absolutely put the fear of God up these guys as it, as it would anybody, right? Um, and then they start driving away, and that's when Tuco turns back up. No Dose is like having a, a basically like a seizure, I suppose. Um, um, and you know, they, they think that um, Walt is going to be able to solve all their problems. He obviously is not able to, and Nodos dies there, which is you know pretty pretty crazy scene. Um, and then um, he gets dragged under the car by Gonzo, right? Um, yeah. Um, kind, of, kind of gets done there, and and um, then we kind of get this line, which I think is probably not. It's almost a little bit kind of um, underplayed where kind of Tuco kind of goes, we're done. And that's the thing that kind of puts, you know, the absolute fear up these guys of like, um, he's basically saying that, you know, you're now accessories. The way they read it is that, you know, he, they are now accessories to this murder. And um, as far as he's concerned, he's done with them. Um, and I'm not sure if that's what Tuco particularly meant by that. But this obviously is what, what kind of sets up what happens for the rest of this episode. Which... Um, I, I, I don't, the one thing I always just get interested by this kind of storyline, how it sort of goes from that to them sort of, yeah, fearing for their lives because they're an accessory to murder and kind of watching their backs, I guess, because you've got this crazy guy who's literally just, you know, unhinged. Um, a season ago, they killed two people, um, and they don't really seem to be on edge about people finding them then. Again, different, I guess they don't have witnesses as such and kind of it's played differently, but... I kind of, I kind of feel like you like as weird as this might sound. Reverse them around. I feel like Walt and that need to be a little bit more scared and a little bit on edge around this, and then they're capable of murder. I don't know if that's just me, but um, yeah, I, I just, I just that's one thing I do find a bit weird in these first two episodes is that they are so like on edge and scared for their safety when they literally did like, I mean, Walt cold-bloodedly killed a person last mm. year. I mean, he mistakenly killed the first guy, but then the second guy was cold-blooded murder and he was seemingly okay with it. So I don't know if that's just me or not. But No, yeah. I, I do agree. And I think probably um, for me, like basically as I was watching this episode and, and, you know, we'll get into later scenes where these two guys are kind of um, talking through in, in, in fairly um, hysterical terms about how they're going to, what they're going to do about this whole situation. And, and I just, I was like, man, that feels like an overreaction. I need to rewind and watch this scene again. And it's like, what has Tuco done that has made them do that? And I, I think that whole thing where he's not, it's very quiet where he's kind of like, we're done. I, like it, it just feels like it, it, it doesn't really justify this potential, but then they have just watched him beat the shit out of a guy and kill him. So, so, you know, yeah. like it, it, it is kind of one of those things. I think you can read it in a couple of different ways. And I think, um, you know, it, the one thing whatever you think of the Tuka character he's not subtle right and I think if you're trying to tell this thing of like he's subtly telling them that he's done with them and that they're next I, I don't think that really works for the character I think that's not the kind of Tuka character that we're getting so um, it just yeah it just feels a little bit out of place like not enough to, to really make you yeah. um, un, unhappy or, or disappointed with what you get but it just feels a little bit kind of like it's um, they haven't quite nailed the tone that's- I don't think yeah, and that's kind of what I mean. Like, like I'm with you. Like, it kind of does feel a bit like, you know, they're over... Like, not overreacting. Like, it's just... 
and I think it probably does just come down to the fact this guy is so unhinged and scary and you just look, cause I mean, literally he just beat the shit out of this guy for saying what, like, don't forget who you work for. Like comparing to our nip tuck coverage, it, it does remind me a lot of kind of, you know, how they're scared of, um, what's his face? Baldy with tats, um, uh, Escobar. So yeah. kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of similar, right? Like, you know, kind of, it's just those type of people who kind of express the fear of God into you just a little bit by being so, you know, that way. But, um, yeah, like I get it. Like, uh, it's not something to like, we're going to find very limited things to nitpick about this show. So it's kind of, a, it's nothing. But, um, one thing I want to say is that the guy who plays no dose, imagine him, like you're going to, you're coming back for the premiere episode of season two. You just need to have a seizure and die. And then your body needs to get put under a car. Like I wonder, I wonder how much uh, you know the union pays for the scenes that he filmed for for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the, the Gonzo kind of death. I don't think we're spoiling too much. Is is kind of a little bit odd as well. Like it kind of mm. kind of comes out of nowhere a little. It's fun. Like I th- I like the way they do it, but um, I, I didn't like there was just like a couple of shots of it of like a little bit of setup, which I think is probably quite clever, but it did feel to me, it's like, Oh, maybe I just need to be hit over the head with stuff at the moment. Like I just need, um, need it to be super obvious. <laughs> but maybe we just, yeah. again, but there's nothing to nitpick about. So we're literally going, Oh, well, this is a bit weird. Let's slightly nitpick this. eh? <laughs> yeah, and I do think that is something that's like we do need to be careful not to because the show is so good that we just try and find problems with it, you know, because um, I think it would be really easy to do that. So um, I think that's actually a really good point. Um, but, yeah, kind of we, we move on from the scene and, and um, we're kind of back at the at – the, I keep try, saying the white residence because I don't want to keep saying the White House. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, so we're back at, back at Walt's house and, and basically Skylar's there and, um, and you know, Walt comes home and he's, he's really kind of – um, um, zoned out and um, just an interesting little tidbit about this is that they actually shot this this was one of the I think one of the last things they said they filmed because um, Anna Gunn was actually pregnant at the time so they actually oh. they, they didn't have to use prosthetics here and um, they actually just waited until she was pregnant enough for this to actually be a, a scene that they could do for real um, yeah yeah and actually um, later on when we see um, Marie um, Betsy Brandt was was um, pregnant at the time and you can kind of tell once you know that you can kind of see the way they kind of film her from kind of like behind and on the side so you yeah. kind of can't see the front of her um yeah so that was that's quite interesting they but did anyway. that in um third we talked about it in third watching season five when molly price was pregnant basically for the first half of the season because she was injured they just filmed her in bed the whole time so they never had to see her like walking or that's like oh look at that convenient <laughs> yeah 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 and so you know we kind of get this thing where kind of waltz just home like he's just kind of standing there like completely zoned out kind of flipping channels on the TV and kind of has to basically, she has to kind of grab him on the shoulder before he even realizes that she's talking to him. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, you know, kind of weird. And, and, you know, he's obviously got what's just happened on his mind. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I don't really know there's too much more about the conversation, but then obviously um, he kind of comes to her while she's in the kitchen and kind of starts hugging her. And then before you know it, he's kind of, it's kind of turned into rough sex basically where he's kind of like, you know, basically trying to do her right there in the kitchen and, and she's not into it and eventually basically has to tell him to stop, you know, it suddenly turns into like this kind of quite angry scene. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of storm out of there and Walt Jr. comes home and sees the kind of avocado face mask on, on the on on the um on the was it the, like the wall or is it the fridge it's or fridge. whatever it is? I think it's the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and I th- the other thing too, I think um they were looking to try and do like a transition shot from that into um 
um, basically like Jesse at the doghouse with like this um, guacamole. <laughs> like, so it kind of went from one to the other, which they didn't quite do it like that um, in the end, but um, that's apparently what they were planning on doing. But yeah, I think it's just kind of like this you know, ongoing setup that kind of walks living this double life and, and having to try and keep these secrets and um, it's becoming harder and harder to do so as he comes more embroiled in this, this world. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I seemingly you and I talked about how we kind of forgot about like the sex stuff in first season, but and that sort of doesn't really a real thing in this. But is this the last time that Walt just gets horny over doing something bad? Like again, I I couldn't barely remember this happened in this episode, but um, you know, uh, interesting that you see about you know Anna Gunn because I was looking at her stomach at one point, thinking like you know, it looked realistic, so they they were doing well. Um, I kind of like him here being zoned. So he's flicking channels. Is he, cause he, is he trying to watch the news? Is that kind of what it's meant to be? Like he's trying to see if there's any news yeah, reports maybe. or... It's kind of yeah, what I gathered. Possibly. But I, I, is this where she goes like, oh, new hat? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of just points it down there. But um, yeah, like I I feel for Skylar here again. Like uh, it's kind of, you know, like she's kind of just been used. I mean, she says that line, doesn't she, to Walt? Like, you know, whatever problems you're going through, you don't have to take it out on me. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think is, is, is fair enough. So, and, yeah, and I yeah, think it's something I, to I kind of keep that. in mind because obviously this is the season where it's like the Skylar's a bitch season to a lot of people. Um, you know, so, and I think you kind of, that, that happens slowly. So you've got to try and keep this other stuff in the back of your mind that this is kind of what's, you know, what's kind of led to that. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's, again, there's stuff this season which I'm not going to agree with, but like, it's also interesting because we're going to get more of and we get it sort of in this episode, don't we? Where, kind of where Skylar kind of doesn't question him as much. Like, I mean, if, she, if he's missing, I guess, again, it's the cancer is an excuse and he says he's going for walks and that. But, like, I mean, I guess, you know, you kind of only have so much of it. But I, I like this kind of scene, the, the trade-off where Jesse gets a gun. Like, it's kind of the, the way they just kind of slip the money under the thing and then put it on the table. Like, um, yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, because these things are always done so subtly. Like, weren't they talking about last episode about how, like, just do it in the mall, do it like this way. It's yeah, kind of, you yeah. know, like... I yeah. know. Do you well, ever I do like? Love, do I... you ever see people like in streets and kind of sitting next to each other on benches and think that oh, they're doing some sort of weird meetup? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like it's quite funny. Like where I go running and and um, the town I live in is, is next to a river and there's a really good river path. But there's kind of like these two seat, these two bench seats, and I often like run past people that are kind of like just awkwardly one sitting on one bench and one's on the other. And it's like <laughs> this is kind of quite weird. Like, is this kind of like a drug place? Is this like a potential like? meet somebody you shouldn't be meeting for whatever reason like it's it's quite weird um so yeah i'm, I'm sure we've probably all seen these things and, and not realized it um but yeah the doghouse is a real place by the way um in albuquerque um which is quite cool like it's not just something you can actually go to the doghouse and, and have a have a hot I dog i can ice. imagine their business has um, just gone through the roof surely. yeah yeah right. I, I, would, I would love a doghouse t-shirt actually i should look into seeing if you can buy one um because that'd be pretty cool um yeah so I, and, and this is, I think this is the point in the episode where I was kind of like, why is Jesse so strung out? And so kind of went back and, and I don't feel it's, it's completely justified, but then we could also be not taking into account that maybe Jesse's also on something here. So he's maybe more paranoid than he normally would be. Um, but yes, obviously this brings in the gun, you know, and so now we have a gun in play. So um, yeah, I mean, when you bring a gun into play and, you know, the whole rules of, of, 
you know, TV and films is that it has to get shot at some point. So, um, we, you know, we're probably going to get there um, later on. Um, but, but yeah, I, th- I think it's um, it's kind of just yeah, we're doing some doing some good setting up here, which is probably going to going to pay off more in the next episode, I suppose. Yeah, I think I can see why Jesse's maybe a bit strung up because I think the difference is is that. Jesse got the shit beat beaten out of him, didn't he? Like, I mean, he kind of was was privy to this. And, and Jesse's, I don't think you ever call Jesse a super brave character, do you? Like, I think that's kind of the thing, right? Like, I mean, he's kind of been dragged into this sort of against his own will. He wants to obviously do it, but at the same time, kind of he's a bit unhinged. Is it is it this episode or next episode when kind of uh, Hank says something about them? You know, that they're, they're book smart but not street smart. Yeah, and like, yeah. Jesse's supposedly street smart, but I don't think he was ever really super, super street smart. So kind of he's witnessing a different level of this. So I can see why he's a little bit unhinged, but as you're right, you're right. Like he could also be on something. I mean, kind of you look at his eyes and kind of, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a bit on edge, but yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's always interesting with Jesse in terms of like, you know, he's obviously a sympathetic character, but um, you know, I, that whole thing, is he brave? It's quite an interesting thing. Maybe we'll just have to kind of keep an eye on that really. Um, so we, we kind of move on and we have this kind of, you know, argument slash discussion slash confrontation between Walt and Jesse at Jesse's house. Um, and, you know, this is the point where we kind of get why they're so concerned that they now feel their accessories to, to the murder um, that, you know, Jesse, Jesse feels that, you know, the only way out of this is that they've got to kill Tuka before he kills them. Um, that, you know, is, is this the point where I think Jesse also says he's being watched, you know, there's a car mm. on the street and things like that. Um and you know, and and what kind of system? Okay, well, let's like actually step through the plan. Let's actually like how how are we going to do this? Um, and yeah, and then we get a nice little nod back too to Crazy Eight as well, which I think is is quite good because you know we're gonna in a few episodes time we're gonna have you know um kind of hank kind of starting to put all the pieces together and crazy eight still a part of that you know putting those pieces together so i think it's really good to kind of just this is again kind of setting setting up what the main drivers are for these two guys at the moment i i do like when yeah i just i like the the conversation here like the way walt's basically going like okay you know, what are you going to do? You're going to shoot him. And what does he say? Like two or three times. He's like, what is it? Two or three times. And then he's yeah, kind of like, yeah. you know, Gonzo's a big guy. You're going to have to put some more in there. And then what? You're going to do this. And he's got goons. Like it's kind of, it is very like clever the way he sort of, again, it's it's that book smart thing, right? Isn't it? You know, and, and yeah, you're right. Like, whole, yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, it's that whole thing. It just, um, you know, it, it kind of just highlights that these two guys are just really inexperienced at the stuff. Like Jesse doesn't even know how to open the gun and put bullets into it. You know, like it's, um, he's got big plans, but he actually doesn't really think them through, which is, I mean, that's going to be an ongoing issue for, for the Jesse character. Yeah, and I, and I like kind of, I mean, the acting here is great, kind of, you know, Aaron yeah. Paul, like I think he's in here like shaking when he's got the gun and he can't kind of do it. And yeah, again, yeah, these guys yeah. are just like, uh, are just panicking, you know, because again, it's kind of like, it's all well and good to get a gun. And like, this is the thing, like you, I mean, again, relating it back to, to Nip Tuck, we, we know in the, you know, when Sean gets the gun and he goes over to Thingo's house and kind of just points it at him, like, you know, like in TV, it's kind of, it's easy to get a gun and go and do this, but like, I think this is pretty realistic. Like, if you and I are in this situation and we go get a gun, like, we don't know what to do. Like, you think, oh, that's well, good, you got a gun, you just shoot someone, but then you got to think about the process and this, that, and everything else. So, I kind of like this conversation about how they're trying to sort of work it out and everything. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's, you know, it is really good. It's, um, I, I keep using the term setup, but I think, you know, it's also just kind of getting into these characters and how they think differently as well, which is, you know, it, it's going to really set up the conflict as we go through this entire series of, you know, Jesse's and Paul 
impulsive, um, whereas Watt wants to think things through. And at one time or another, that's going to hurt both of them, you know. So um, I think that that's just something that's, that's really cool to think through. Um, but yeah, um, then we have quite an abrupt kind of tone shift, really. Um, well, maybe not tone. Well, your tone as well as kind of subject matter, which is then we kind of go back to Marie and we kind of inside her incredibly purple kitchen where even the <laughs> utensils are purple and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Marie's using her voice, you know, like her voice activated phone to call Skylar and leaves her a message and, um, you know, that they want to go out for Chinese and um, it's all very kind of happy. And and, and I, I, I actually am in join getting into a little bit of the kind of Marie storyline here you know it will always be a subplot so it's never ever going to really get to the point where Marie's a, a critical player she's always going to be part of the subplot as opposed to the main story for the most part but um, I do like that we're getting a little bit more about who she is and um, you know basically she's kind of you know she's leaving this message wants to invite them out for dinner um you know skylar's not picking up her phone which is the bit that's kind of you know there in the background that kind of hank alludes to um she's making this coffee with like about what, four splendors or something like that like <laughs> a, a lot of um, artificial sweetener anyway which kind of fits like feels like it fits the the marie character a whole lot um you know hank's trying to have like a bit of a serious conversation and we kind of get the, the understanding that she's seen a therapist for this kind of kleptomaniac behavior i suppose um um, so, um, yeah, and then that, that kind of like advances to being outside where you've got this poor kid who's got this remote control car, which is coming and going. Um, yeah, Marie doesn't really want to engage in this 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 kind of conversation really at all um and it kind of ends with her kind of leaving abruptly and um running over this poor kid's car <laughs> um and just the look on that kid's face like um yeah and yeah i think they were saying like in the commentary that they they pretty much got this on the first take um because oh, wow. they weren't they had bought like you know 10 of these rc cars because they really had no idea how it was gonna you know like if the car would actually like just run over it without popping a tire or something like that and so they'd bought a few to kind of you know just in case things didn't quite go to plan but apparently they did it first time and um yeah that kid's reaction face is just so brilliant <laughs> um i love it and you know obviously hank you know pays him some money to buy a new one but yeah it's it's, it's so good eh? Like, but yeah i think this is just nice little setup for these characters who are not part of the main storyline at the moment um and yeah I, it's just nice to see something because i think i you know i was a little bit vocal maybe last season about the fact that marie didn't have lots to do um and now i feel that we're actually you know it may not be super important but i think we're giving her something that's interesting to do so um yeah i'm i'm, I'm pleased with this Eh, um, I mean, I, I, I like more like the softness, softness of Hank. Like I kind of like, we kind of get a human side of Hank. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's what I yeah. kind of like. And I guess you have to have that with Marie. So like, I don't know. She's probably my least favorite thing. I like their house. Their house is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, but, I think the thing too is, yeah, you make a really good point about it being, um, a, an opportunity to kind of show Hank and, and maybe his difficulty and, and being honest and being, um, you know, having those kind of sensitive conversations. He's good at the kind of, you know, um, being a man's man down at the, you know, at the station and all that kind of stuff. But this stuff's a little bit harder for him. Yeah. Now, one thing I'll quickly ask, actually, before I comment on the scene, did, did you do your homework, Nick? Did you watch the, the website? I did. I, yes, I did. Um, yeah. So, I, I assume you're referring to the um, dressing up like a police officer well, sex well, scene between... the confessional that she yeah. has about Madonna. <laughs> like, um, that, I, mean, I don't think I really gained much of an insight into the the lives that I thought of. I didn't mind the, the one of them being a band. That was kind of funny. Um, the problem the problem is, is that uh, whether, you, whether you know it or not, is that um, you've now set me up because 
because while there are only five of them, there's like another 12 of them yeah, for season I two. Yeah, I got them all, but I haven't watched them. They're all like soul-related though, aren't they, I think? like um, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure, but I was like, oh my God, what have I got myself into here? But yeah, I mean, they're not exactly hard to watch. They're a couple of minutes each. No, and, they're five minutes, um, I think. And I think all the other ones are basically soul-related. I think there's like a an animated one of like Jesse imagining all his friends as superheroes or something. Like yeah, I, I had, I think there's a lot of like soul, better call soul ads, but um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, we, we learnt, we learned that Hank got a blow job from a transsexual on his bucks night or something that um, he cheated on Marie. Like, I mean, I don't know if I needed to know these things, but like, sure. Um, I mean, they're, they're just random things that don't really, you know, kind of bring anything. But yeah, the the Hank and Marie have sex role play games, and Marie makes confessionals about wearing Madonna cone bras, and then bags out her for being English. So, yeah, watch them. Why isn't Marie's car purple? I don't know. Do they not make purple Beatles? Yeah, it's a good question, actually. Yeah, I mean, I've just been um, going and looking at a few cars for my mum because um, there were cars in, in town here that she wanted me to go and have a look at and, and colour was the only thing she actually wanted me to look at. Not that I could help with anything car related, but it was like, is that car, what shade of purple is that car? Um, so, you know, like these, if you're obsessed with purple, you'd think your purple car would be a must, really. Yeah, but of course she drives a, a Volkswagen Beetle. Why wouldn't she? But, um, you know, I like the little kid getting crushed there and then, um, yeah, everything. But is it ever explained? Like, is this a, is this a Betsy Brandt thing? Is this a Vince Gilligan thing with the purple? Like, what's what's the deal with the purple? Well, I think, I think there's kind of like a, a, a an undercurrent of kind of um, – colour being a bit of a thing. I mean, obviously Walter White, Jesse Pinkman, I think it's just a theme he likes to go with of kind of colour being a, being a kind of a bit of a back... It, you know, I don't think it's important. I don't think it kind of hides any hidden meanings. I think it's just a bit of a way for, for Vince Gilligan maybe to order his world that he's created is through these kind of colour ideas. Um, so, I mean, it's as good as anything, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know if that was a thing, but... Um... I think colour color and colour palettes are quite a big thing for Vince Gilligan because, like, um, you know, like I, I, I really notice kind of, you know, often there's there's certain places that always have a bit of a colour palette to them, a bit of a sepia tone or, a, you know, a washed out look. And then obviously you get characters like Saul who's kind of everything's about colour, right? These kind of really contrasting bright colours um, is quite a big thing for him and obviously blue meth. And so, yeah, I, mm. I think kind of colour is just something he likes to really play with, Um through his kind of um, his direction and, and the way he's kind of set up this world. I'm guessing this is a real house, so I can imagine. Like, I, I know, and we'll obviously get to the famous pizza scene, that I, I know that often made the news about the, the house that they use for the, the white residents. Yeah. Often people would go and throw pizza on the roof in real life. I'm really surprised, yeah. It, but. It, it's actually funny. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really, like, pleasantly surprised at how many of these sets are actual places. Like, I guess we're just used to everything now being on a soundstage or feeling like it's on a soundstage anyway, you know. Um, and the, actually these things are in lived in locations. Is, is really well, quite cool. Yeah, well, I think when you, I guess, film in a place like this, it's um, probably easier to do that, right? Like, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I could be stepping out of line here. I don't know if the internals are on a soundstage and it's just the externals. Like, I, I know, again, to relate to Third Watch, like everything was filmed in New York, 
but like the externals and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the time they would have an, an, a set would be done on like a, some sort of warehouse or soundstage in New York city. Like they didn't fly back to LA to film anything. It was still done there. But like, I mean, ER famously, all the externals were filmed in Chicago, but then like they had the set on the Warner brothers lot to sort of resemble a Chicago streetscape and everything was filmed in, in Los Angeles. And a lot of shows do that clearly, yeah. but like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if the internals of this house is the real house that you see here. Um, but I, I would obviously know you talked about that tour that they would have in Albuquerque. I'm sure you get to go to the outside. Like I did a city tour of San Francisco when I was there and we drove past the Mrs. Doubtfire house. You kind of pull up and yeah, there's yeah. the Mrs. Doubtfire house. Yeah, and like, you know, yeah. I've done tours like that where you see sort of places like that. So, well, there, yeah. there's some interesting stuff that, um, you know, like, um, through listening to the commentary, I kind of picked up about, um, Jesse's house and, um, the reasons why we get a bit of a storyline around Jesse's house that we had completely forgotten about when we talked on the, at the end of the last season. So, um, we'll get to that when we kind of um, get closer to that storyline, but it, it revolves around filming in that house, which is, which is cool. You know, it's, it's good to feel like these things are in lived in real locations. I, I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, I think it's probably a bit of a mark of AMC as well, because I know a lot of The Walking Dead is filmed in real locations. I know they've got a, a season and a half or whatever that's filmed inside like a jail, and that was an actual jail. And, and you know, and I think things like that are, are well, you know, a, an old jail anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, it just gives a feel of authenticity that makes these things feel a bit more real. Mm. Um, and you kind of probably get camera shots that you wouldn't get if you had a designed soundstage, you know, like sometimes you get these just weird kind of camera angles that they've obviously just not had room to put the camera quite where they want to. And um, it ends up actually working out quite effectively, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean, I random show I'm thinking of Kath and Kim, uh, you know, like the, the, the owners of that house, like kind of would get shipped out for like a month and basically paid for by the ABC. Here you go. You go on a month holiday. Uh, the only catch is we can move anything we want in this house and set it mm-hmm. up however we want. And because it, it was for sale like a couple of years ago and like it just went, you know, oh, this is the Kath and Kim house. And like it was all inside it was exactly what you saw in the TV show, just with obviously different props and things like that. So, um, I mean, I, yeah. I for one, I would be one of those people that like if, you know, I, I would buy a house like that, knowing that that was the, the house that was on a T. I I mean, I'm sure if you all of a sudden, Nick, tomorrow, like I'm going to move to Albuquerque and like you could buy Hank's house. Sure. That's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, well, why not? Um, I um, recently went and did a, a film tour to a, a set tour, sorry, to Hobbiton um, here in New Zealand, um, you know, Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff. And there's something that's just quite amazing about being on the location where these things have been filmed and, and seeing kind of authentic sets being set up. And um, yeah, it, it is just really, really cool to feel like these things are a little bit more real. So yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I've done that a lot. Like, um, yeah, every time I go to LA, I'll do a studio tour or do the homes tour. And uh, I mean, I, I've gotten my photo on the, the friend's couch and behind oh, yeah, Central yeah. Perks little bar and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely that. And like, uh, yeah, I mentioned like Kaloa Ranch over in, in Hawaii. Like I got my photo, t- like they've still got the uh, the tree from Jurassic Park where Grant and the kids hide as the T-Rex eats a gallimimus. So I've got my photo with that tree, um, you know, and kind of like when, as soon as you're there, like too, like it hits you, like you automatically yeah. can feel it. Like yeah. third watch, I went to the uh, external shots where they filmed the firehouse. And like, as soon as I got off the subway and you walk up to kind of the location that was in Queens, you just, you're like, holy crap, this is third watch. Like you just, mm-hmm. you feel it. Like you just literally feel it. And I'm sure you had that when you went to, 
Hobbit. I mean, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, but like, I mean, you know, when I went to like Milford Sound and places like that, which kind of just look very Lord of the Rings. I remember when I went with you to that one where the barrels were like going down a thing. And oh yeah. You kind yep. of you, you watch the scene and you see it, you know, later on. Yep. You're kind of like, okay, yeah, I can I can see this. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, and, and so then we kind of move into a Hank at work scene. And um, I love as he kind of walks in, there's the guy who's kind of like, where do I get my phone call? He's like, shut up. Um, <laughs> it's quite a fun little scene that. But um, yeah, then they're kind of watching the the CCTV footage of, of Walt and Jesse stealing the methylamine. Um, and this is, the, as you talked earlier about the whole thing about, the, you know, they've got book smarts, and mm. uh, but not street smarts because they're making, what does he call it? Like old school biker meth or something like yeah, that. Like, yeah. So they're not using pseudoephedrine, they're using in methylamine instead um so so yeah i think this is just kind of um I think this is really fun when we start to get, you know, like these bits where Hank starts to, you know, just get clues of what's going on um, and doesn't realise it's Walt. You know, I think this is, yeah, it's really fun and we get lots of these as the show goes on. Um, And, you know, like I I love the the stuff about, you know, kind of Hank trying to figure out what's going on. It's just fun. Yeah, I like the bit when he's like yelling at him, like, it's a barrel, you can roll it, you yeah. idiots. <laughs> um, which, yeah, it, it is kind of funny. And like, you're right, like, I think we mentioned that a bit last season about how, you know, a criticism or whatever, it's like, oh, he's the worst DEA agent because it's right under his nose. But like, you're right, like, you kind of see this play out in front of him. Like, it's kind of, you know, like, as you sort of said on one of the things about like, you know, this guy, Walt, is kind of unassuming. He doesn't get attention. So, like, he can kind of get away with it. He's somebody who, you know, don't, people don't really recognize. So, it is kind of interesting that they do that. But, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I kind of just... Like, we, we get a lot more Hank. Like, in the first couple of episodes, a lot more Hank. Hank's all of a sudden becoming very promising. So, maybe they listen to our podcast, Nick. They're like, oh, wow, look at this. Hank is a popular character. We need to we need to see more of him. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, like, obviously, this show is all about, um, you know, a, a, about Walt's transformation. Um, but, actually, he's not the only character that transforms. And I think, you know, like, um, in, in these early seasons, I think Hank's funny. He's there for comedic effect and um yeah that will continue don't get me wrong but i think he gets more serious as the show goes on which is to be expected um but yeah i i every time he's on screen i'm just absolutely loving it i think he just works um so yeah it's just it's it's a lot of fun to me um so yeah we kind of get the scene where walt drives home and i i I love this kind of shot of like him coming home down the road because obviously that's going to be mirrored at the end of the episode um and you know he comes home and he sees this car kind of you know parked in the road like watching him when kind of turns and leaves as he goes um you know which is which is cool um kind of the the next morning you see kind of skylar wake up and the baby's kicking and um turns over to tell walt and he's already up and obviously he's watching at the front door a knife in his hand um and and you know as he kind of sorry as she kind of comes down the hallway another phone call from marie which she hangs up on um and she kind of figures he's been up all night and um I love the kind of just the shot of, of um, Walt kind of sliding the knife back into the knife block. The, just the angle of that shot, I think, is really cool. It's quite clever. Um, so, yeah, I think this is just like an adjoining scene that's kind of setting things up. But, um, yeah, I think just kind of you know, just slowly ratcheting up the tension too, which is good. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is how I read it. But when Jesse's saying, oh, the, the car like drives past my house and there's hang-ups, are we kind of meant to believe that Jesse's just been paranoid and this is not happening? Because to me, I read it like that, because like kind of maybe Walt doesn't really believe him, because this is the first time that 
Walt kind of sees a car following him, so that all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, okay, fuck!" Like Jess, because I, I've, I've just, I don't know, I don't know if that's just me, but I've always kind of read that Jesse saying that is not meant to be believed. This is just Jesse, because like we remember back to last year when last season when he had the the vision of like the bikers, you know, knocking on his door and they were Mormons. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. That's how I interpret that. I don't know if that's just me. Yeah, I, I, I think probably it's more Walt doesn't care about jesse you know like it's jesse might be telling the truth he might not be but what just doesn't care like it doesn't really worry him either way i think it's kind of that's the way i read it um i think probably you're correct and that i think probably walt just doesn't believe him but i think the larger thing is walt's not bothered you know it just doesn't really worry him so um yeah that's kind of the way i read it anyway yeah, so, well, I just I kind of like when he sees that car. But one thing also too that I, like I, I'm with you. Like I enjoy kind of this this sequence and sort of you know Skylar hanging up on Marie and the knife and that. But like, have we heard a single ounce of music in this episode? And like, this is one thing that is like I don't know if we've had any of the score. Uh, I think the, I don't even think there was music in the opening scene. So like, that's one thing which it, it's weird that like again I've I've known people who watch this and like not necessarily probably this season but I, I've known people who watch shows without a score or that and they just they're just bored like silence doesn't do them for do do anything for them but to me it's the opposite like I mean this just adds attention I'm drawn to it if it's silent with nothing mm. like again going over my point some shows just overuse music but like yeah. there's just something about no score here which just adds to the tension I mean I could be wrong maybe I have missed like a cue here or there but um um there there probably is some but I think um probably what this show's better at um is, is doing good sound effects as opposed mm, to mm-hmm. um to music necessarily like i think a lot of a lot of um shows kind of use music as a bit of a um a, a crutch right like they use it to kind of um tell a mood or build some tension whereas i think nip tuck uses uh, sorry nip tuck uh, how many times am i going to do that um break it break great, great segue nick download yeah, our yeah. nip tuck coverage <laughs> on the oz network um break it breaking bad kind of um uses sound effects um you know kind of I, I i keep going back to that ticking clock kind of effect that they had with the whole crazy eight scene um has been a really good example of that um and they never kind of really go to pop music or, or when, when i say pop music i mean music you know um there's when, a when skrillex they song they use in whatever season that is come on but i think like one of the things too is like the the music always works as well when they yeah. do use it um but part of that is that i think they just you know, they, they don't overuse it. And so, yeah, I think that that's, that's um, a good thing. It's, I also think, I mean, it's, you know, this cable style as well. Cable, I guess it depends on the show, but I mean, often we use kind of this silence technique, don't need to overuse the score and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, speaking of segues, download our 24 coverage, but I, I know kind of there's, there's certain episodes of 24 where I don't know if I'm just so used to this style of television, but like, I'm like, God, they're using that score too much. Like, it's kind of like, you like, it's, it's almost like you cannot have a scene of silence. You always have to have a music track underneath any piece of dialogue, no matter what it is. Like, mm. it's just, and th- like, yeah, it can work, and yeah, I get it. Styles of television have changed, but you know, like it's just it's just interesting when you notice the silence so much, and it just kind of adds to it. Um, and it's also, I think, too, like it's 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 like that handy cam. You mentioned about the camera angle, like kind of this scene when you're about to get to where like Walt and Jesse are talking about the 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 beans, like you know, it's not a steady cam. Like you can see it shaking. Like you know what yeah. I mean. Like if you actually pay attention to the camera, it's not stable, and it kind of again, that's just that mood that it adds to it. So. Um, yeah, just little things like that that kind of just add to the overall feel of a show yeah. like this. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, it's quite funny because I've just been 
you know, at home when I've been doing stuff, I've been just flicking on episodes of Friends at the moment for whatever reason. And um, that's you're a Friends man, kind of, Nick. <laughs> oh, you yeah, know, I love Friends. We are not doing a retrospective of Friends, though. I'm telling you right now, I do not. I, I, that was a show that do. I've long planned on doing. Uh, sadly, I've lost my uh, my retrospective partner. So, Nick, if you ever do decide against that, I I will be very knowledgeable and opinionated on Friends. Well, part of me would love to do it, but part of me is like, I, I just, I, I, it's 10 seasons of 24 episodes. Like, I I would, it would just kill me. Um, but they're so short episodes. They're like they half are, the length of a regular so it's kind of only like half yeah, but, that length. But, but we would still talk about them but for ages because it's us, right? Um, but anyway, so they, they, they use kind of like, you know, transition shots. And I know it's a, it's a sitcom, so a completely different thing. But, you know, every transition shot has a music. It's almost like yeah. season one of Survivor with the, with yeah. the conch shell, you know. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like this is not that type of show. And I, it, it works for this show, I think, is, is kind of what we're saying. But, yeah, I, um, we kind of move on to this, um, this scene where we're back at G his house and jesse wants to get another gun um but walt's got a second plan which is to to make ricin from um castor beans um and boy this is like the longest setup in the world when you think about where this this the whole ricin thing goes um but yeah it's it's really really cool and i I do love he tells a story about you know the bulgarian umbrella um which is you know like a diplomat got got you know like pierced with an umbrella tip that had ricin in it which is a true story i went and did a bit of research and that actually happened which is quite cool it's always nice when there's actually a true story behind these things um but yeah i think it's um it's a very walt way of kind of dealing with this issue right of like we're going to process these castor beans into this this deadly poison so i i think it's it's really cool and it's really fitting with the show yeah and i mean is this one of those things that like castor bean sales went up a lot because people wanted <laughs> yeah. to kill people uh, i mean yeah you do wonder how how difficult the process is like would everybody be doing this if, if it was easy so i assume it's probably reasonably difficult to do but uh, I, I could be wrong about that yeah yeah but uh, i like kind of the the conversation and i'm glad you did the research to see if that was uh if that was real but um yeah it, it is it is kind of very interesting but it, it is definitely one of these things that i think like Again, it's not just this show, but I mean, this show maybe more so than others that it's never going to be this simple, right? Like it's not it's going to be how they yeah. talk about it, you know? So, um, I mean, there might be some examples of that where it's it's slightly different, but um, yeah, like it's, it, it's like it, it is a very interesting setup. And I just, one thing I want to point out too, like I sort of mentioned a bit last year, but I, I want to mention it right now, just just the look of Jesse, just this hobo-y <laughs> kind of bogany look with the, the beanie and he's got what, like a skull with his tongue out. Like yeah. this, this is a type of kid that I just did not, like in high school but um, yeah yep. you know uh high yeah, fashion in hamilton of, though isn't it? <laughs> it yeah yeah absolutely it's like high street i can basically wear this to work but um <laughs> but, but yeah i think it's um you know it's really in keeping with the character which you know I, I, it's one of those things i just think like costume is just so nailed on on the show like everybody kind of looks like that's exactly what you'd expect them to be wearing you know it just feels like Walt's another one like I think just the clothes they give him are kind of like drab school teacher and you know like I think it just works really really well um so so yeah you'll get no complaints no no um you know I won't be arguing with that at all um would you wear so, the yeah, shirt that, would you wear the skull with the tongue out like if you're getting the doghouse um, shirt would you go out yeah no I don't, I don't think I'd go that far I think um <laughs> 
you know, like I'm, I don't think I could pull off Jesse's fashion sense myself. But yeah, um, yeah, a little bit too oversized for me. I, everybody likes a bit of comfort, I guess. You don't want to wear in something too tight. I don't, but yeah, I don't, I don't get the bagginess. Like I have to say, since I've lost weight, I kind of don't like when I was bigger. Sure, the bagginess I get. That was the reason behind that. But now I've lost weight, I don't mind things a bit tight like i don't get this street <laughs> wear of like let's wearing five things like if that was the case i just lose weight and i'm cool now because like even this shirt i'm wearing right now is about eight times too big for me so you know depends depends on what you're doing i suppose when you're you know at work you probably don't want to be wearing baggy clothes like that but when you're, you're sitting at home maybe it's okay but True. yeah anyway yeah. We move on to a scene that i'm really interested to get your take on on if you like the scene or not um which is you know kind of um hank comes around to kind of basically get Skylar's help with with the whole Marie issue and um, basically can you answer calls and and all that kind of stuff and this is you know going back to what we talked about earlier about Hank wanting to kind of like showing this kind of softer side um, you know and, and kind of wants to have this conversation with Skylar and it gets turned around on him pretty quickly because you know um, Skylar obviously feels like she's going through a whole lot worse than Marie and um, Anna Gunn I think who acting here is really really good I think she kind of just pulls off this you know like oh my god like Marie doesn't have problems at all I have problems how can I help you you know with, through your problems so um, you know, for, for, for what it's worth I, I absolutely love this scene I think it's really really good um, and, and everything down to like Hank's awkward hug at the end um, you know I think it just it, it really really works and I think this is what I really like about Breaking Bad is that we can go from these scenes where we're talking about killing people with you know some um, obscure poison um, to like basically just like a family drama scene and and it just works for me I, just, I really really enjoy it yeah I, I actually like it I, I do like it's kind of it's odd like and I think this comes back to what I was saying before like I kind of like the Marie stuff just because it kind of humanizes Hank and I kind of like Hank trying like and you mentioned about kind of his struggles with like the sensitive side and he's just trying here so hard to kind of come over and just sort of you know relax he's worried about his wife like you know she's not getting calls returned by her sister and I don't think he's expecting this and I just love the little hug that he gives yeah. Skylar as well but the, the one bit I don't like because I know what it's going to lead to is Skylar looking at photos and he looks at a, she looks at a photo of oh, a certain yes. someone which yes. um, is I forgot about that yeah and sorry so, I've totally forgotten about that yeah yeah, yeah um, we get a random look of her going hmm over a photo yes. of a man yes so yes but um, other than that I like it like you're yeah, right like cool. kind of uh, yeah Anna Gunn just her, her acting here is fantastic kind of you know because I, I again I'm team Skylar here like I mean you know she kind of even says about how like you know when Hank's uh, Walt's here like he never talks to me like I don't know what I'm meant to do and this that and everything else and Walt's just kind of like uh, okay. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. Hug in the world. <laughs> one of those things too. I mean, we we obviously have already and will continue to kind of talk up just how great kind of um, Brian Cranston is, and um, mm. you know, like these kind of these main characters are kind of just everything about them is amazing. And I often think Anna Gunn's the one that gets overlooked, you know, that she absolutely. is absolutely. Um, a fantastic actress. And um, one thing where we are a little bit similar, I guess, to, to Nip Tuck here is that um, some of these actors have, have not gone on to what maybe I expect. I think Brian Cranston kind of has now, but, um, you know, it, I, I thought this would lead to these guys being like just absolute superstars. And, and Anna Gunn hasn't really, for whatever reason, um, that Was may it? be a personal choice, Maybe she's, you know, decided to yeah. do other things. But um, she was somebody that I just thought was going to be massive after the show and just, you know, hasn't really. Wasn't, what was she in? She I swear she's been in something that I watched, either she was in before or after. But um, 
I mean, you can't recommend. I guess like Aaron Paul, like he sort of just lives on his. Like, I mean, he did the Need for Speed thing, and kind of yeah. if he's in something, you know about it, like you know, because it's kind of he lives around on that thing. But it's yeah, he hasn't really gone. On. I mean, Brian Cranston's obviously gone on to be nominated for an Oscar, um, and I think kind of he's missed out on a couple of nominations as well. And I mean, being Brian Cranston, I had a name beforehand too, but um, she was in. Uh, maybe I'm thinking of Shades of Blue. Uh, I never really watched it, but um, and that was a bit of a step down, I think, if she ended up in she- the the Jennifer Lopez, Ray Liotta uh, cop show that apparently is not too bad, but uh, it's a it's a network show. But, yeah, looking here at her filmography, she hasn't really done a lot yeah, since. Movie-wise, nothing that I can... Oh, she was in Sully. That's probably what I saw her in. I've seen Sully. Anyway, right. um, yeah. but it is surprising because I mean, you know, we've gone over what she she's Emmy winner, um, and yeah, it's, uh, may, is it the distaste towards her character, the unfair distaste? I, I don't know. Well, I, I do wonder if it's maybe more a case of, um, you know, potentially maybe she just wanted to take some time off to have family and and you know didn't actually, you know, get you know like straight after breaking bad was finished didn't become this kind of massive character because you know like i can see again i'm looking at her imdb as well and she's in a, a mini series that she you know looks like she's a, a fairly prominent character in that one um so i think she has done things but you kind of just expect that you know coming straight out of of um this you know what was the biggest show on tv at the time that you know she would just be massive and and she hasn't been so yeah you, it's just kind of surprising yeah, actually, like, oh, I mean, that's really interesting. Actually, like, sorry to cut you off, but um, I don't know if you've seen Broadchurch, which is a, a um, British show. Um, I watched the first season, thought it was fantastic. Um, but basically, it looks like they've. I, I kind of feel like I knew this, but I'd forgotten that. Basically, they've done a remake of that. Um, called Grace Point, which is an American version, and she basically is playing the Olivia Coleman character in that. Um, so, um, but it's got David Tennant in it, apparently reprising his role from the, from the original. So that might be something. Maybe you know, um, at some point um, during this rewatch, I'll, I'll try and catch a couple of episodes of that and, and see what I think because um, I, I'm, I'm always quite interested to see what these characters, uh, what these actors are doing in other roles um, in and around Breaking Bad. Um, you know, it just interests me because I, I, I think she's fantastic and I just don't think she's really ever got the full credit she deserves for this. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's just, I was going to say, I swear I've seen Betsy Brand in something too, but I'm just looking, it's, it's interesting kind of you look at sort of outside of, you know, the sort of the main ones. Like obviously we've talked and we will talk about someone like Giancarlo Esposito about what sort of he's gone on to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, Bob Odenkirk is still around, sort of yeah. got a certain show after this. Um, and, and there are definitely a few others. I mean, Dean Norris kind of went on to Under the Dome, which I watched for way too well, long. Well, I think, I think um, Brian Jesse Cranston, Clemens is someone quite big that we'll talk about. Yeah, well, I think Brian Cranston's somebody who, like, I think, again, you kind of expected he was just going to turn into this enormous, you know, star after Breaking Bad. He kind of has. And, um, he has now, but I think probably it took a little bit of time. Like, I think, you know, he jumped into things like Godzilla and, you know, he wasn't even really a, a, a <laughs> character in Godzilla. But, you know, I think he's obviously got this new show, which I've been meaning to catch, Your Honor. You know, it's not a new show, it's a miniseries. But, um, and I just think he was amazing as um, LBJ and, uh, was it called All The Way, I think, that movie? All the way. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's really, really good. And, you know, things obviously like Trumbo, where he was, he was really big in that. But, um, 
yeah, I thought he was. Yeah, I thought it maybe just took a little, like a few years, you know, um, and before he could get out of the shadow of Breaking Bad, and now he's become somebody that I, I think you see him quite a bit in other stuff. And he's still doing com. Like I still, um, yeah. What was that one he did with Megan Mullally? Uh, he was like the the parents or something like that of like, um, and it had oh, um, why him or something? Yeah, so, why him? Like that yeah. was really good. I really liked that. Um, yeah. And, there was that skit he did on, uh, was it Jimmy Kimmel when he did my super sweet 50th or something like that? I don't know if you've ever seen that. Look that up. No. That's hilarious. Um, it's kind of just like they're taking the piss out of that my super sweet 16th. So they kind of just make it like Brian Cranston's just like an annoying 16 year old for his 50th birthday and just wants right. everything done his way. It's, it's very funny. But um, right. yeah, like, um, yeah, I mean, Academy Award nominee. We, we talked a lot about that nip tuck, didn't we? That they had a few future Academy Award winners. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, he, he's somebody who I think you will not be surprised uh, should the day comes that he ever wins a, an Oscar. Like, I mean, if we ever did ER, you talk about Friends being 10 seasons, 15 seasons of ER. Like, I mean, you're going to talk early George Clooney uh, and kind of it'd be, you know, obviously he's gone on to arguably be one of the biggest Hollywood superstars in the history of Hollywood, um, yeah. you know. But, I mean, watching him sort of in early ER, it's kind of like it's interesting to kind of go back that. But, um yeah, I mean, to me, it's like I've been watching Brian Cranston since Malcolm in the Middle, so like yeah, it's kind yeah. of still like yeah. amazing to think that I used to watch him as a kid in that, and now he's gone on to who he is now. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of move on to this ricin making montage, which is quite fun because you know we've gotten used to these these meth making montages, but um, this one's you know um, you know it's slightly different, obviously, and um, I, I think it's fun to kind of just see things that are a little bit different. Um, we kind of get Hank calling from the crime scene. Um, <laughs> Why and does kind he of, always call from like the well, crime I, I, scene? Well, this is, this is one of those things I find really, really weird about this, which is basically, I'll, I'll get into it, but, you know, the breakdown of the scene, obviously, is kind of, you know, um, you know, Hank fills Walton on the the confrontation with Skylar, um, and then he sends a photo of No Dose um, yeah. and and Gonzo, um, which is weird. Like you know, like surely that breaks all sorts of ethical rules. Um, well, but it's anyway, a website apparently is it the next episode. It's like you want to see the photos? Check my yeah, website. Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah, uh, yeah. And and obviously, like that when they get the photo and they they both view it and they completely freak out, like because they didn't they didn't know Gonzo was dead and they assume that that um Tuco's killed him um we're obviously going to find out pretty quickly that that's not the case but um but at the time that's what they think um and suddenly this kind of just leads to this panic we kind of um you know um basically Walt heads home and he tells Jesse to get out of town um and you know um kind of Skylar's in the bath when he gets home and um Walt hides his money in the the I'm going to call it a diaper box we'd call it a nappy <laughs> box I'm going to call it a yeah. diaper box here um so so yeah I I think before I kind of go on to the rest of it, that yeah, that's there's obviously quite a lot happening there, but um, but yeah, that's th- th- there's a lot there to break down, I suppose. I know there was um, in the US when Kobe Bryant died, they obviously there was like a cop or two at the scene who took photos of, I guess, dead Kobe Bryant. And they kind of then, I think, drunkenly went out and shared them around at a bar or something like that. So all these cops kind of, you know, got heavily i don't know if they got fired or like you know there was, it was a big story because like kobe bryant's wife found out and of course was like mm. suing these cops and all this kind of stuff so like i mean you know that's i guess in modern times but like you know he's literally just taking pictures of dead bodies and texting them to people but i mean my, my question is why are the dea first on the scene at, at bodies <laughs> like the dea aren't like people who deal with 
bodies necessarily? Yeah. Like, how do they even yeah. know these are, like, drug? Like, how they, how they identify these people straight away? Like, is that why they call the DEA? Yeah, I think, like, I, think, I think there's a little bit of missing information there, right? It's, um, yeah, and I think we kind of led to believe that, I, I think they kind of always want to just blur the line slightly and, and kind of make us feel like Hank's actually a cop. You know, I think that's something yeah. they kind of want to, want to make us think, even though he's not, you know, and I think that that's just one of well, those things. They, I mean, for all we know, they might have some sort of jurisdiction or, or, or something. I, I, I don't know. Like, I remember, I don't know if you would, I'm sure you probably got it there in New Zealand uh, in the in the 90s, the Australian show Water Rats, you know, the water police yeah, in Sydney. Yeah. And, like, I remember watching that as a kid going, like, well, why are they, like, they're water police. What have they got to do with this? Like, you yeah. know, it's kind of like You just, that, you, know, but- you, you know, it's bad when they call in the Salvation Army. That's when things have gotten really bad. We're, yeah. we're, down, we're down to the Salvation Army. Um, yeah, literally, literally yeah. Uh, the Salvation Army storming the beaches of Normandy. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I, but, like, I kind of, yeah, I, I like kind of how now it does really put even more fear into them, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of yeah. now, like, yeah, like, you're going to... I can understand it now more that they're going to jump to this conclusion that he's dead, basically, and, like, fuck, like, Tuco's lost it. And, again, like, I, I like it sort of with the whole fact that Hank's all of a sudden coming very prominent in this episode. And it's also, like, the investigative Frank... Uh, Hank, sorry. Frank's his brother. Um, like, that's kind of... We're going to find out pretty quickly that you know as you said like this isn't what they think it is we're going to find out next episode about why Tuco's so on edge like it's kind of painted in a way where we're like like fuck Tuco's completely lost it. He's, these guys have a reason to be paranoid but it's sort of all pieces together differently so yeah and, yeah. and there is actually a scene there where you know we go back to the crime scene and we and we see that Gonzo's been pinned to the car and this is where Hank takes photos and um you know kind of says he's got a website so this is actually in this episode and yeah it just feels like completely inappropriate you know like um, this is the kind of thing that people are getting kind of, you know, um, the, the whole kind of um, defund the police movement potentially at the moment is, is around stuff like this, right? Of Well, not stuff like this, but, you know, like a, of cops maybe not acting in the way they should. Um, and, you know, it's probably- that comedy aspect that you mentioned. Sorry to interrupt about how kind of – it's kind of funny. Like his arm just gets ripped off and he falls down and he – Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny. It's, yeah, it, it is really funny and I'm, I'm definitely overthinking it, but it's like this is not – yeah. this is not good you know like you shouldn't be putting photos on your website like it just feels like it's just slightly <laughs> out of out of the scope of of the show a little bit but yeah you're totally right it's done for comedic effect which is the, the whole point whole point of it yeah um and again it's kind of that under sort of rated comedy of it but um yeah like again it's certain things that i guess aren't meant to be super super realistic of it of everything but um yeah i mean it, it, it definitely sets up kind of this panic nature that you 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 do have to believe of this but i i do just kind of like the way that you know gonzo's died that he's what he's gone back to check on the body and essentially he's got his arm crushed and he bleeds out um sure why not yeah it's um i mean it's as effective as anything i suppose but yeah you're right like the whole thing where he kind of like you know that sound when he kind of rips him off the car it's um yeah it's it's yeah it's great it's really really good like whoever got to do the kind of adr sound effects on that one must have been having an absolute field day doing that stuff a watermelon or something (laughs) yeah it's really good um so yeah we kind of uh, after that we kind of go we kind of head back to um to walt's house and he's kind of having this conversation and he's obviously really agitated and you know like it kind of feels like he's on the edge of telling Skylar something while she's in the bath and and you know she's obviously quite upset and he pulls out his phone and that's going to be a big issue and he looks at it and um you know he's he gets this this call from jesse telling him to come out front and um he kind of because what's the thing he says is 
um, there's so much to tell you all this, you know, like where to start. Where, I don't know where yeah, to start. Yeah, where do I begin yeah. or something? Yeah, where do I begin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so basically he's outside and, and he says he's got and, – and he sees that kind of shadow, right, of kind of movement outside the house. So he kind of goes out um, and and obviously Jesse's car's outside. He goes up to talk to him and, and Tuco's in the back seat with a gun and, you know, Walt's forced to get into the car and the car drives away and kind of replicates that shot in reverse of the, you know, going leaving the the white residence kind of down the road um, as opposed to earlier where he's driving towards it, which I thought was quite a nice touch and, you know, a nice little cliffhanger to end the episode, really. So, yeah. I also like Walt having his money like gaffer taped basically to the, um, <laughs> the air conditioner before shoving it in, yeah, the nappy box. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you can kind of just almost see the frustration of Skylar because, you know, again, she's just sort of like, where have you been now? Like, you know, and kind of he's there. And um, I like this kind of two-phone thing, which is going to play a prominent part, isn't it? Like, you know, particularly from the next episode because, like, you kind of had almost like a subtle reminder to that, wasn't it, when when Hank calls Walt because, like, he's with Jesse and you hear a phone ring and he pulls out one but then he pulls out the other. It's kind of yeah. almost like reminding the viewer that he's got two phones. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, this is, I think I said earlier in this episode, like I, I completely forgot that this is kind of how it ends and that, like, you know, yeah, Tuco's got Jesse hostage and you just kind of end with that, you know, get in. So, um, yeah. yeah. One thing I want to say too, just um, as, as, a, as a man who likes a bath, um, I'm I'm very jealous of Skylar's bath with the candles and the bubbles. And uh, before good. you judge me, I, I I like to set up the bubbles and the candles too. It's a nice relaxing. You, if you're sure you've seen the Friends episode where Chandler has a bath and he's got his boat, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah. no, I, I I like a bath too. I, um, you know, like a spa or something. If you've if I've gone for a long run or something, that's probably quite a good you know good thing um to do. I, I haven't got as far into the the thing as as candles, but um definitely do it. definitely there you'll, for the you'll bath. You'll never turn back. <laughs> I need you, one of those. I laugh. need one of those. I need one of those things that you kind of so you can read your book because it get, you know it gets a bit hard after a, a little while, and they've got those kind of like bath bridge things. I need. I need one of those. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure they sell them in New Zealand, Nick. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Yeah. But no, great. Yeah, great ending to the episode again. Yeah. Like as I said, it, make, it makes you want to watch, doesn't it? it makes you want to. Yeah. Just, oh, you know, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that can kind of, you know, I think we've had a really good conversation about this episode, which is awesome. Um, and that kind of just moves us into into rating the episode. So um, I'll I'll let you go. I feel like I always hog who gets to go first on this. So I'll let you go first. I, I feel like I know where we're going here, but uh, by rental or bin for you. Uh, one thing I just want to quickly add here, I didn't, I didn't notice this on the trivia. Apparently, one of the times when Walt's flipping through the channels, uh, a TV commercial for Better Call Saul can be heard. Oh um, right, okay. Hadn't picked up I, on that. Yeah, did not know. Um, I mean, it's a buy. It's an absolute buy for me. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a strong episode. It, it, it's intriguing. It's, it's got a lot of mystery to it. It's, it's kind of, it's entertaining. It's well acted. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it's the best episode we've watched, uh, but I mean, I would probably argue that the pilot of last season was still better. Um, I mean, that's still my number one episode, so obviously that's that's a clear winner for me. But um, yeah, I, I'm buying it, and I've got to think where I'm going to rank this one now, actually. But I'm, I'm going to assume you're buying it as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll let you think about where you're ranking it um, while I I put in a buy as well. So um, yeah, it's a, an eight point seven on the um, on. IMDB, which is, feels a little bit low, I think, um, hmm. compared to some of the others. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's a, a 
it's a very very solid episode it's a good episode um it's probably not one i would like just flick on though like it's you know like if you oh, I might just watch some breaking bad tonight i probably wouldn't go for that episode it's just it's there um and it's a good episode and i think everybody does a very good job with it i think it's good setup and often that first episode um in a season is it, it has to do some of the hard yards of setting things up that will pay off later on so i'm always you know maybe a little bit more lenient on these kind of episodes because they have to do a lot of heavy lifting for later stuff so um, I'm willing to give it that I think this would have made an absolutely awesome penultimate episode of season one um, and you know and then going into the, the next episode that that we'll do next time um, as the season finale I think would have been awesome so I kind of you know, now I kind of know that maybe this that's what it was meant to be it kind of makes sense to me as well um, you know having all that said it's um, it, 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 I feel like I've got it quite low on my list because I've got this one two three four fifth on my list yeah. so so it's behind um crazy handful of nothing pilot um the bags in the river and the cats in the bag um and those in that order and then this is number five after those ones so i think you know it's better than gray matter it's better than um than the last episode that we had from last season and obviously better than cancer man because i i um, rented that one um so i think it's a good episode i i don't think it's an outstanding episode um but it's that it does more than enough to be considered a, a a buy for me interesting i just say that vulture have this as the 32nd best episode of breaking bad so pretty much the halfway point because there's 62 episodes uh, the Ringer has it at 39th, so kind of very similar rankings there. Um, I've got it also at 5th. I'm going to put it 5th out of 8th. I've got it just behind Grey Matter. Grey Matter for me was 4th. Uh, Crazy Handful of Nothing at 3, and The Bags in the River at 2, and Pilot at number 1. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically smack bang in the middle for me right now too. Again, like, it's a, it's a strong episode. Um, it's, it's, it's entertaining. It sets me up enough, and I'm going to remember it. But, um, yeah, like, as I, I kind of agree with you, I mean... I would 100% put the next episode on before I put this episode on if I was yeah. just going to put a random and, episode on. Yeah, and I think one of the things too is like, um, although this is not the way TV shows work and, and, you know, the way they should work, the reality is that often you think about moments and, you know, I kind of think about, you know, that Cats in the Bag has that amazing you know, the, the bathtub scene. Um, there isn't really an amazing scene from this episode that you'd think like, and I mean, maybe we'll get into that when we talk about top fives at the end of the season. Oh, but, um, you know, I don't point, feel, Nick. yeah, I don't Sorry. feel like there's like an amazing kind of, um, you know, standout kind of um, moment that we might be putting up from this episode. You know what? You've changed me. I'm going to flip that with cats in the bag. Cause that's a very valid point. Um, so I'm going to swap them around. I'll put this at six then. <laughs> so I'm going to put cats in the bag above it. <laughs> so uh, you changed me, Nick. You, you yeah, made I me think, remember that fact. I think you and I have just got, um, you know, I'm, you've got Grey Matter ahead of it. And I think it's actually quite a similar episode to Grey Matter of like a bit of an info dump, um, but done in a good way, right? Um, but but probably not like an outstanding memory. You probably remember Grey Matter. I mean, we had a top five moment from Grey Matter, didn't we? Whereas I don't think yeah. we're going to have a... Yeah, there's not. I mean, next episode there might be a nominee, whereas this one, I mean, what would you nominate in this one? The, yeah. the cliffhanger at the end. That's yeah. about it. But I mean, that's not going to stand the test of time in this season. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think that probably um, kind of wraps us up for the episode. Um, so yeah, um, thanks, thanks for listening. Uh, um, 
if you've got any thoughts or anything that you want to fire through to us and by all means we're really keen to get feedback on how this is going you know follow us on all the usual kind of social media channels um yeah i, I don't know there's too much more we need to say about this one but really looking forward to the next episode i think it's a it's a great episode without spoiling too much so looking forward to to, to getting into that when we get there um but um i think that's probably about all we need to say for now so um we'll leave you with with that but um my name's nick and um do you want me to take a look at that utility closet and my name is ben and hey man you did it thanks for downloading this episode of the oz network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher google Podcasts, or by copying our rss feed into your preferred podcast provider and while you're there please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback you can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir. sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.